0: fraud, deception, and Super Mario Bros. More about this and other stories on This Week in Retro. High resolution color graphics. This land of high
1: technology. The revolution in technology that made the information age possible. Those kids are not afraid of WADA and Heritage Auctions collusion. Make your kids love retro games. This Week in Retro at 50. All this in our Community Question of the Week on This Week in Retro. Up-to-date news for out-of-date tech. Neil, it seems like every week we're seeing new highs in video game values. Uh, In 2017, the most expensive video game ever sold at auction was only $30,000. I know I'm saying only, but (laughs) compared to what we're seeing now, that seems like chump change. Uh, Now we regularly see auctions hit the six-figure mark, and of course we have the recent examples of million-dollar auctions of Super Mario Bros., Mario 64, and uh, The Legend of Zelda in just the past few months. So, Neil, when you hear all about these insane figures uh, what does it make you think well at first it was really exciting to see these barriers being
0: broken but i think i did say on a previous show uh, when the record was last broken i think for the third or the fourth time in a a really short period of time something wasn't right something just didn't feel right about it it just felt like it was being hyperinflated uh, and something i couldn't put my finger on what but something nefarious was going on Uh, and whatever that is it's going to have a knock-on effect to the prices of games at the lower end of the market. So when you or I want to buy a game, um, it's going to drag up those unboxed, you know, loose discs, that tatty, um, I don't know, copy of Zelda that doesn't have a box on the N64. It's going to drag all of those prices up, and it's going to affect us all negatively. So um, I'm not that happy about it if it makes collecting more unobtainable to people. And right now, it does make me think of money laundering, John, and I don't like it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's just say lots of eyebrows are raising in the uh, retro community right now. Uh, There's just no justification for the values of these games growing exponentially at this rate, especially games that aren't even rare. I mean, as we all know, Super Mario Brothers is one of the best selling games of all time. So, um, well, if all these high dollar game auctions have got you thinking that shenanigans are going on, uh, there's a lot more fuel that's just been thrown on the fire. Thanks to a story shared with us by subreddit user Psychomat, among others, investigative journalist and YouTuber Carl Jopst, we're going to go with Jopst as his last name, has put together an hour-long expose on the inner goings-on at two major players feeding the video game auction bubble, Heritage Auctions and WADA, that's W-A-T-A, the WADA grading service.
0: Yeah, these are the two that came up in the most recent auction um, news, um, with those huge figures coming in. Um, it's the grading services just always baffle me. You know, if I take my copy of FIFA, uh, let's say twenty sixteen, for, for argument's <laughs> sake, um, I'm just going to tell you that I, I'm grading that A plus plus from looking at that. I'm going to put it in a little plastic coffin, going to seal it up, and then and then surely does that make it a four figure game at auction? John, is that is that how all this
1: works? Well, you know how desirable FIFA 2016 is. I mean, people just can't get enough of it. So I think so. I think that's how it works. Well, according to Carl, who I must say has done a tremendous amount of research and fact checking, there is a strong possibility that Heritage Auctions and WADA are working together to artificially raise the price of sealed games sold at their auctions. You see, Neil, the only games allowed to be sold through Heritage Auctions are games graded by WADA. Uh, WADA has been, up to this point, very secretive about the number of particular games they've graded and the population report of how many games have received each grade. So, for example, we have no idea how many copies of Super Mario Brothers have been graded, and we have no idea how many have earned that coveted 9.8 rating. Mm. What a mistake to make! maker. Um, it
0: seems all oh pretty suspect gosh, to me. I know. <laughs> I make no apologies for that.
1: Uh, but <laughs> I don't know if it, I yeah. can
0: come back from that. <laughs> <laughs> it seems pretty suspect, though, doesn't it? Grading should be relative to the to the quantity and the quality of the alternative options that are out there. If you're looking to buy this thing, so to give something right. a nine point eight, it really means nothing if you have absolutely no benchmark to compare it to, or no idea of what the supply is like out there. It makes no sense.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, theoretically, auctions should be the purest form of a free market. Uh, every item is sold at exactly what will people are willing to pay for it. But on the back half of this Carl Jobs video, uh, it, it adds a whole nother layer to this story. Uh, apparently, there are people at the top of both organizations that were actually responsible for another fraudulent price bubble. This time it was coins in the 1980s. Uh, what would happen is, and, and stop me if this sounds familiar, a coin auction house would be in cahoots with a grading company. They'd funnel all of their best coins into the auction. Then bidders would bid the price of these coins up to the stratosphere, to the newspaper reporter's delight everywhere. Everybody loves writing about these record-breaking auctions. But who are the buyers? They are the folks known as shill bidders, bidders actually working for the auction house. So just think about it. You've got a coin you've got a game whatever and uh it, you put it up for auction okay you send a shill bidder out to buy it for a thousand dollars uh the item goes back into the collection <laughs> with nobody the wiser and the perceived value of this item is a thousand dollars now you wait a couple of years you put it back on the block you repeat the process this time It goes for $5,000 to that same shill bidder that's actually just working for the auction house. So with absolutely no work, you 5X'd the value of your item. And then the coup de grace, Neil. After a couple more years, you put it on the block one more time. Boom, it sells for $10,000, but this time not to the shill bidder. But to that and hap- that hapless speculator who thinks that the value of his collectible is just going to keep going up based on previous auction records. Yeah, that, that's you
0: or me getting hooked into it, hook line and sinker. At that point, it feels it just feels dirty right. just talking about it. I can't imagine what it must feel like being a mm-hmm. part of this operation, being that shill bidder, or, or mm-hmm. being that auction house. Yeah. You know, um, I can only say that Duncan should probably have his finger on the on the bleep button because you know the only the only words you can describe (laughs) people like that are absolute
1: (laughs) (laughs) so basically the thrust of carl's argument is that the same nefarious folks behind the coin bubble scandal of the 80s are behind this new speculative frenzy in video games neil i'm going to tell you i went in kind of skeptical to this video but I came out a believer uh, a few weeks ago. I told you I have a I had I had a fractional stake in a WADA Ooh, graded yeah. Super Mario Brothers three th- through an app called Otis. And uh, I'm mm-hmm. so convinced of the scumbaggery of WADA that I've now sold all my shares. Uh, I just I, I, I felt dirty, like you said, holding on to it. So in my opinion, this thing is 100 fr- percent price fixing scam. Yeah,
0: and we should clarify that doesn't mean that the service Otis has anything to do with this. But no, they no, are. That's just the a, a the, 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 of, the
1: platform. Yeah,
0: yeah. So they're a victim of this nefarious behavior as much as uh, the rest of us. You know, they they wanted to provide a service absolutely, and it's affected them because you've lost your trust in that industry. And no doubt, one word gets out that this is what's going on prices will plummet in in those games that people have invested in. You've probably done well to get out when you did, John. Um I did
1: make a little profit, oh, Neil. Did. I'm not going to lie to you. you uh.
0: <laughs> yeah. Just a little. Just a little. Got my beak wet just a little. <laughs> so uh, but yeah, all of this, all of this for me it does confirm my initial instincts. We know, we just know that these games aren't worth the amount of money that they're selling for they're worth a decent amount of money. They're important games and they're great examples of these games, but we know they're not worth that much. And hopefully we're just witnessing that first or that second stage of shill bidding that you describe and not actually someone parting with their hard earned cash for the games. But um, right. I do fear just as you explained the shill bidding of coins back in the eighties, I do fear that this expose of video games and shill bidding will be long forgotten by the time it comes around again. And they try it that third time for the. 10,000 or the $20,000 this time. Um mm-hmm. and if that happens then it could kill off the collecting hobby for most of us um just entirely and I really hope it doesn't come come to that. We need to keep this fresh in our memories
1: and we need to remind each other uh, throughout the years that this is what's happened and this is what they'll try again. Absolutely. So Wada has come out with a short statement in response but without any They don't actually do anything to refute the claims made in the video. They just say, it's all a lie. So it's not very convincing. So if you're interested in checking out the Carl Jobs video that exposes everything that's going on right now between Heritage and WADA, make sure you check out the video in the show notes. I guarantee you it will be worth your time. Neil, you're not a parent, are you?
0: Of course I am, John. Um, I've got I've got all my children. I've got the ZX Spectrum. I've got the Sega Master System. My little Packard Bell. Too many to list. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Me neither. But if there's one thing I know about kids, it's that they're into the same stuff as their parents are. <laughs> of course, I'm joking. Uh, when I was a kid, I actively hated most of the things my father enjoyed. Uh, televised golf, country music, the Lawrence Welk Show. Who? Lawrence Lawrence who? Uh, yeah, Lawrence Walk. Imagine all of the fun and excitement of uh, a 1980s edition of the BBC's Songs of Praise uh, set to the music of an elderly gentleman playing the accordion. And you have the Lawrence Walk show. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Almost sounds like a spoof comedy show. <laughs> oh yeah it it sounds like it couldn 't be real but it but it is it was um now that i 'm adult and adult i've i 've come around on two of those three things i 'll leave it up to uh the twirlers to decide which but uh one of the things I know a lot of gamers always dream of in their pre child days is the ability to share their hobby with their offspring. Uh, I've been to many collectors' homes, and I've heard the collector say, you know, one day my kid is going to love all this stuff. That's why I'm hoarding it. Have you heard similar things before, Neil? (laughs)
0: <laughs> I have and that was a good use of the word twirlers there John. I'm glad to hear it's catching on, thank you, in the show. Um <laughs> I've been to uh I've been to enough computer museums and seen enough parents with their kids trying as enthusiastically as possible to explain the merits of a Commodore 64 to their kids and and I've also seen the absolute look of disinterest on these kids faces. Um or at best they might smile through gritted teeth to indulge mum and dad's nostalgic day out and just keep the peace. And it is hard to know how to tackle that as someone who would love to see uh, kids of all ages come and visit my own little exhibition space. How, how do you overcome that uh, and engage the kids and make them interested? Um, I think it's the solution and the key to this is likely to relate to the way you set up the displays and displaying something current. So, um, for example, my nephew Thomas is, is really excited. He just goes bananas for anything to do with Fortnite. It was Minecraft, but he's Mm -hmm. moving on to Fortnite now. And, um, you know, it could be cool to show a display with Fortnite at the top and then go back through time and and just dissect its DNA and show all of the games, going way back to the 70s even, that make up that game. How did Fortnite become Fortnite? And uh, how did it all tie together? And I think when you give it context like that, I think it could be interesting to 10-year-old Thomas or or other kids who... um, it, it's made me laugh because i've had a lot of young co- contractors in here recently electricians and things like that uh and i uh i've realized that if i show them a cassette tape and say this is how we used to lower get load a game that blows their mind it, it's amazing it just right. hadn't occurred to me that most of them have never even seen <laughs> and these are tape. i mean
1: these 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 young contractors are adults <laughs> They're adults. They're in their 20s. Yeah. yeah. So
0: for a 10 year old, there's just no connection between a modern game and these old systems. So to give it that context, I think that I hope that's the key. That's what I'm going to try and do. Um, But without that context, yeah, a 10 year old looking at an Amstrad CPC is as interesting as as me going and looking at a house brick. It, It means nothing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks to a, sh- a story shared with us by subreddit user Paul, a.k.a. Hermsky, the Herm, uh, I've learned the proprietors of Arcade 1UP, who are famous for the, uh, you know, the, the child's bed version oh, of yeah. the Sega Arcade Classic Outrun, <laughs> have decided that the time has come for retro video games to be foisted onto young children straight from the storefront. Last week, they announced a new product to capture the minds and hearts of toddlers across the world. Oh dear, we've already used the bleep
0: machine a couple of times today. Are you sure you want to tell me this story, John?
1: <laughs> well, this is the Arcade One Up Junior cabinet. Okay. This thing stands a hobbit like 36 inches above the ground and comes with a school uh, to encourage young players to get into the American habit of sitting while doing an activity they should be doing standing. <laughs> uh, the cabinet is designed to fit in with the Fisher Price decor of the playroom, uh, down to its white and yellow molded plastic body with the fake rivets on the side and that same feeling you get that when this thing gets kicked to the curb the thick plastic it's constructed from is never ever ever going to break down and it will be in a landfill until the end of time there's an oversized joystick big action buttons for small hands and there's even a fake coin door to make your youngster feel nostalgia for things that happened 40 to 50 years (laughs) before their birth neil before we go any further i've got to know what do you think of the design of this thing
0: it's it's all kind of confused, isn't it? Um, you you hit the nail on the head there. Why why would a kid want to understand or need a coin door or even an arcade cabinet? You know, it's just so unfamiliar and alien to them now. It's a, it really is an indulgence of the parents. I am going to put an arcade machine yeah. in my kid's room, um, and it is a mm. lot of plastic. The, the, the design of it kind of reminds me of. Do you remember those little uh, red toy cars uh, with the yellow roof, little, little tikes? Cars they were called over here.
1: Yeah, yeah. We we refer to that in the US as the cozy coupe, Neil. Cozy coupe. The cozy coupe. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
0: it's it's, it's Sam's brother. <laughs> <laughs> so this is this is an arcade in little tykes or cozy coupe form. And uh do you know what? Mm-hmm. Um, as confusing as, as the product is, uh I don't actually hate it. I don't hate it in the way that I hated that outrun cabinet in the form of what looked like a child's bed. And I think I don't hate it because it's so mm-hmm. far off what a real arcade cabinet looked like that it's not even trying to pass itself off as one, really. It's as much an arcade mm-hmm. cabinet as a plastic toy a kitchen. that Those kitchens you used to mm-hmm. see or probably still see advertised right. where the kid's cooking some beans. And, and as a kid, you're like, wow. How have they made the beans hot on that plastic cooker? Well, they haven't. It's just all an illusion. And uh, it's the same with this. So I don't look at it and want to scream. It's just so far out there from a real arcade cabinet. Um, And I guess what's important also is is the games. So what games are going
1: to be featured on the Arcade 1UP Junior? Well, three classic arcade games are included with this thing. You've got Pac-Man, Dig Dug, and Galaga. So, pretty good choice. Good uh, if, you're, yeah, if you're worried about these games being too difficult for younger players, the folks at Arcade 1UP have actually programmed in various difficulty modes, and they've added unlimited lives. So, everybody will be a winner. Because if everybody's a winner, well... Nobody's a winner, Neil. Uh, Nobody's a winner but Arcade1Up, who I'm sure are going to sell a million of these to grown-up children of the 80s and 90s who just can't wait to foist this monstrosity upon their children, who, for their part, will glance up briefly, uh, probably with disdain, before returning to their real games on their tablets. Yeah, I wonder how strong they're making those stools because you just know the parents
0: are going (laughs) to be the ones that sit on them and just crush these little plastic (laughs) stools. (laughs) But um, uh, I don't know where you went to find this games list because if I go to the Arcade 1UP website and look at this thing, it's showing me two games available for it. So I don't know if there's a regional difference when we were both going to look at the website or if you've Mm -hmm. got the inside scoop on what's coming. But the two games that I can see are Pac-Man and um, that famous arcade game that revolutionized the industry, Paw Patrol. Yeah.
1: What? You, you, yeah. <laughs>
0: you, you can now get Paw Patrol, the arcade cabinet. And uh, when you see this thing in action, because there's YouTube videos on the site, it looks and runs like a mid noughties Java game. It really oh, does look that gosh. bad. And <laughs> and you're right. The kids, that all kids are used to, or pretty much all kids are used to playing games on a tablet because they have them foisted mm-hmm. in front of them to entertain them and stop them screaming uh, mm-hmm. as much as parents say they're not going to do that they always crack eventually and the tablet comes out and right. uh well a hundred percent of games that i've seen on a tablet look better than this poor patrol <laughs> thing so i'd probably <laughs> avoid that um unless you want to turn your kids off video games for the rest of their lives and you know have them focus <laughs> on books and study in- instead then put this on your christmas list um yeah the arcade one up poor patrol cabinet one one to miss i'm i'm thinking but the other games sound good you know they're, they're stone yeah yeah. Plastics.
1: yeah and unlike the other arcade one-up cabinets these actually come fully assembled out of the box so that's a plus uh and they'll retail for uh 280 us dollars and uh yes that price does include the stool So, John,
0: today's episode marks something of a milestone. It's our 50th episode, and that means we've been doing this for a little over a year now, if we allow for holidays and technical issues. And my gosh, there have been technical issues recently along the way. And it is a really nice milestone to reflect on. Um, so I thought instead of having more stories today, we'll just we'll just talk about the show. We'll just reflect on on why and how it started and and a few other insights into what goes on behind the scenes here. Because um, it's good to take stock sometimes. Um, starting with how how the hell did this thing start? Because I can't <laughs> even remember. <laughs> I think you instigated this, didn't you?
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, I um I, I had this idea. Uh, there, there's a there's a, a show that I listened to that uh, was a daily. Tech news show that just kind of gave you a, a rundown of the the top stories in tech is uh, mm-hmm. hosted by a guy named Brian McCullough, and um, and I thought, well, gee, you know, there's enough going on in the retro scene right now where we could probably do a similar show just on a weekly basis, uh, where we have a, a subreddit that uh, people you know submit topics to, and then we we talk about whatever stories get uploaded. So. Um, I, at first, I you you were not my first choice, Neil, for co-host. I know, I, I know this breaks your heart, oh, but I I, I I approached I approached the intrepid amigo Aaron first with this idea, and if I recall correctly, he gave me the big hell no, is only he can, because we uh we currently <laughs> do between uh six and seven hundred podcasts as it is, and <laughs> his, his plate was full. So oh, you really do, you really do, yeah. I, I thought to myself, who who would be a a, a, a great a, a great uh, compatriot in this endeavor? And I thought, well, how about somebody with a different perspective, uh, with a, with you know with a, with a UK perspective? And of course, I thought of you, and so I you know I, I sent you a message, and, and we talked about it, and, and this week in retro was born uh, just about a year ago.
0: Yeah, you, you paint a rosy picture there of my acceptance. Because I think my reply to you was, look, John, I've got absolutely no time. I can turn the <laughs> microphone on. I can speak, but i got no time to do anything else. So let's give I it a I was trying to make you look good, Neil. But it's, it's <laughs> on you, John. It's on you. And that's how it started. And um, thankfully, you know, we did we did get an audience pretty quickly. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and, and thankfully that gave me the confidence to say, okay, I, I, I should dedicate a bit more time to this than just turning up. And, um, well, not a lot more time, but, <laughs> but a bit more time, and, and I'm pretty happy with the the shape that the show has become. Um, mm-hmm. I've certainly, and relaxed. of course, we we
1: would we wouldn't be able to do the video portion of the show at all without uh, our awesome producer Duncan Styles, who puts in hours and hours and hours uh, each week to uh, to edit out all our mistakes. Yeah, Duncan does a, a wonderful job, and of
0: course, I'll always say that because I know he's the keeper of the outtakes. So you don't want to upset Duncan and Casey is something that uh, you accidentally said <laughs> on camera while recording a <laughs> show and um i think before we continue i think he might actually have a few lined up that he wanted to drop today so um take it away duncan do your
1: worst for the 16-bit gunship 2000 and for the console burnout paradise rainbow six and ssx tricky so Great good cases. answers yeah good answers one and all uh next week's question neil what is what is next week's question of the week i don't know what is next week's question <laughs> next week's do question. To, do neil? i need to come up with one no no, no 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 it's it is what is the worst video game you ever purchased
0: <laughs> right, sorry. Do you want to ask me that again? Is it in the show
1: notes? Yeah, right, it's in the I show notes. I have the open. <laughs> That's okay. I should have alerted you that we were going to flip back again. Okay, <laughs> let's try the Take two. Do you want me to
0: introduce it? Or,
1: or yeah, because on the script it says John, I think, is all right I, I actually it's it's a little bit confusing because i wasn't sure if that was john comma as if you were going to say it or is if that's me because it wasn't highlighted i'm ron burgundy neil if everything's not okay here uh. we go. neil i think it's time for our community question of the week what was the question this week the question this week john was
0: what's the worst video game you've ever purchased oh okay no uh, hang well, on I'll... no it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't was I it just read. i've done a ron bergen oh it was sorry yeah
1: yeah it was <laughs> all right are you ready to kick this thing off
0: okay we're gonna start on the word nipples
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time you've ever started something as rmc with the word nipples isn't it <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> all right let's do this
0: Nipples kill demo. Here we go. Nipples kill demo parties. More about this and other stories on This Week in Retro. You really don't see many monitors supporting that. And CGA, their color graphics array at 15 kilohertz, which in itself is, uh, you know, it's great for those that need this. I've really messed up that sentence. Sorry, Duncan. Um, I'll go back to the start of that okay so how does that read which uh, array at 15 kilohertz which in itself is great for those who I'll just stop at 15 kilohertz uh, I don't know what I'm writing there (laughs) gone full Ron Burgundy so um, yeah keep an eye out for the Button Bashers movie Uh, as always as they say at the end of uh, Crime Watchers (laughs) no Crime Watchers Uh, let's do that again <laughs> Sorry, Duncan. Oh, they don't do anything. They're just watches of crime. <laughs> okay. Yeah, absolutely. Why isn't this thing? Uh, damn it! Yeah, absolutely. Why isn't this thing? Ah! Uh, <laughs> come on, now. <Neil. laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. Why isn't this thing? Uh, <laughs> Read <laughs> Why isn't the words. This a thing. Why isn't this a thing? John, the Super Nintendo is getting wider, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> perhaps, what, what have I written there, perhaps screams?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's okay, yeah, mean. I get it, I get it, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I think you're trying on, yeah. to trip yourself up on purpose. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, okay, let's do that again. That's right, John, and all these capacitor kits come in at under $20, and Retro Rewind <laughs> retro rewind. I always have trouble it's saying tough, retro it's tough. rewind. <laughs> That's right, John. All these capacitor kits come in at under $20 and retro rewind <laughs> mm, Why did you ask me? I'm to sorry, do this I'm one? sorry. <laughs> retro Rewind. Retro Rewind. That's right, John. All these capacitor kits come in at under $20 and retro rewind proudly serves the international community, so no matter where you live. They can get you what you need without breaking the bank with shipping costs. But that's not all. This Week in Retro listeners can save 10% off any order by using the promo code TWIR10. That's TWIR10 at checkout. Thank you to RetroRewind.ca for sponsoring This Week in Retro. Well (laughs) done. Yeah. Thank you for that, Duncan. So, um, just, just reflecting, uh, John, have you got any favorite stories or even entire episodes from the last 50 that we've done?
1: Yeah. You know, I went back over the old, uh, show notes and I, and I picked two out there. They're coincidentally, they're from the same episode. Um, the first one was, you know, we've covered so many different, um, mini console, mini computer stories on this show, But I really loved the story about the mini PDP-8 replica, the thing that took uh, Mm -hmm. the the microcomputer that was the the size or the mini computer that was the size of like, you know, it was like a four by four foot thing and they condensed it down to a bookshelf. Uh, size i love the way that thing looks with the panel with the flashing lights and everything it's powered by a raspberry pi that would be something that i'd love to put on a bookshelf and and just have on display because it it looks so cool
0: and i think in 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 a world of uh, mini c64s and mini amigas and super nintendos and all of these things to have a mini pdp it was really a tonic to all of those things because we just had this deluge of minis week after week didn't we being announced so it was nice for a a real computer
1: to turn up. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You're exactly right. And then my other favorite story was when we talked about Roberta and Ken Williams returning to game design. And of course, we leaned heavily on the interview that you did with Ken. Mm -hmm. And this was our first introduction to the hype man. Uh, <laughs> the you know, uh, Ken's, Ken's friend that is, that is helping him out, uh, and uh, you know, wearer of the wraparound sunglasses. And um, the next day I was on a, an Amiga user group online panel, and uh, and I began to mock the hype man <laughs> when, when we were talking about this upcoming game. And then I looked down on the panel, and down there at the bottom of the Zoom chat unfortunately the hype man was there (laughs) staring right back at me and so i immediately began to backpedal i began to praise the hype man neil (laughs) and and he turned out being to being a a really cool guy and uh we're we're good friends to this day
0: yeah it was it marcus i think his name was like i think think was he
1: wearing his glasses he was not that was what was throwing me off did he right he was incognito out of the wraparounds (laughs) 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 wow well
0: it's a small world isn't it this retro world where that can happen Mm -hmm. the next day um yeah good choices i think i mean in general i really enjoyed doing the show because um it it lets me keep up to date on the news you know uh, on what's going on in retro um it's a really nice way to keep up to up to date um, especially on new games that are coming out you know things like the turrican remakes Hotshot racing I don't know if you can hear that police car going past right now. That's okay, we're, it's fine. We're having a heat wave here in the UK, so I've got all the windows open. And um, air conditioning goes in tomorrow. I can't wait. Anyway, oh. back, back on topic, <laughs> back on topic. Yeah, keeping on top of not just the hardware, but the games I really enjoy because the kind of episodes I make on my normal YouTube channel, they're very historic. I don't try to hit the, the here and now, the current topics, because everyone's trying to do that. So I just try to pick sure. out things um, that are unique. So this gives me a chance to do that, Um, discovering things like the uh, the Aki Harbor, closing down that Sega, uh, that incredible Sega building um, over in Japan. Just, yeah, I've just learned a lot um by doing this and by researching this because believe it or not there is some research that goes into the episodes before we put them out but um mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but favorite episodes uh, if i had to pick some out it would all hinge around the demo scene so i don't mm-hmm. know if you remember um the demo scene was recognized by unesco and we covered this story and it was covered as a matter of cultural importance and heritage in germany so recognized celebrated awarded and um all of those dedicated people who pour their heart and soul into the demo scene and creating things for it were had, had reason to celebrate and to be recognized, and quite rightly so. But only two episodes later came the revision party, one of the biggest demo parties of the year. Because of the pandemic, it was it was all about the streaming this year. They do normally stream it, but it was 100% streamed over on um, Twitch. Mm-hmm. And mid-party, I can't remember if it was Friday or Saturday night, but at the height of the party, Twitch cut off revision. The stream just went completely dead. Uh, Twitch just, I I don't know what caused it. I don't know if it was a a slight sight of a a nipple on a risque picture or maybe some copywritten samples in some music or something. I don't know what it was that caused it. But Twitch doesn't care about UNESCO Cultural Heritage Awards. That's what we discovered that night. And it was just really nice the way those two stories played off against each other. And, uh, how Twitch is catching up and and just Twitch, although it does cater to our niche, it is very much mainstream and, um, it still feels like these, these places have a lot of catching up to do with the niches if they do indeed ever catch up or we have to find alternative services, which is exactly what, what's happened when the party went down, this local computer club got in touch and hosted the party and got them. I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of the computer club. So do forgive me. Someone leave that in the comments. But they got the party back up and running and they will be heroes forever for doing that. But um, Mm -hmm. that was a fun period, those stories. And as I alluded to earlier, it hasn't been without problems making this whole show. So this is the first episode, or at least I hope it is. (laughs) if this all comes (laughs) through, that we've used a new service. Um, I don't mind naming and shaming because we, for a year, used a service called Riverside, riverside Riverside.fm, and it was working perfectly. It was great. We didn't change our hardware. We didn't change our internet connections. Uh, They released version 2.0, I think, of their platform. And that's around about when it all went to hell, so for three mm-hmm. weeks in a row, we lost huge chunks of our video. First, it was me, and then it was you. And that's why, in some recent shows, I look like I'm on real player in sort of potato quality because we had a backup stream. But the third time it happened, we didn't even have the backup stream to fall back on, it was just a nightmare. So, um, fingers crossed, our recording has gone well today, and we've switched over to Zencast, um, Zencaster, I'm Zencaster um i'm pretty yeah. happy with it seems okay yeah seems okay yeah. but we'll see yeah. how it comes out see how duncan gets on with it and moving forward hopefully this is the platform that we'll be using uh for who knows maybe the next 50 episodes john
1: right i hope so i hope so if there's one thing i know neil it's that i love doing the show uh i think you enjoy it too and uh we are committed to uh bringing it forward into uh the the, the year two of this week in retro
0: we absolutely are and uh, my favorite part of the show, I think perhaps my favorite part of the show is something that you introduced pretty early on in the episodes, which was asking the community their community question
1: of the week. That's right. This week's community question is is uh it was actually suggested uh, this is where we even our community questions are starting to be suggested by our our, our, our twirlers uh he says <laughs> I, I, and I, I can't remember who this was i forgot to put it on but somebody somebody in the l said i wonder what a collective noun for retro fans should be a history of retro fans a floppy of retro fans and so we turned that over to the community neil and uh, the uh, top 3 most upvoted answers were uh, andre Garcia says a recap of retro fans not bad mm-hmm. uh happy nice. coding nice. Ha- yeah happy coding zx says a nostalgium of uh retro fans nostalgium
0: I, I imagine them all to be in like a
1: big glass bowl like an aquarium a nostalgium right like a terrarium fans. yeah 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 <laughs> um and i got zero budget says a batch and in parentheses file <laughs> of retro fans
0: oh nice but
1: neil i can't even though even though this wasn't in the top three i've still got to mention it hastian z says a yellowing of retro fans that's my favorite neil
0: yeah yeah uh, uh, nice and maybe that becomes a brightening a retro brightening of fans i don't right i don't know
1: we all go out in the sun and pour alcohol over ourselves (laughs) and it sounds like a normal saturday night for me yeah (laughs) so neil uh thank you to everybody who submitted that community question of the week and this week's community question of the week is do you care if your children like the games you're into please post your responses in the subreddit and we'll read the top three most upvoted responses on the air next week.
0: Today's episode of This Week in Retro comes thanks to our partners at Anchor FM. Whether you're new to the game or you have an existing successful podcast, Anchor FM offer a home where you can extend your audience and find new sponsorship opportunities to make it the most successful podcast it can
1: be. That's right, Neil. We love Anchor. And that's why we use them to host This Week in Retro. You should check them out at anchor.fm for more info.
0: And before we go, a huge thank you to everyone who's joined us on the first 50 shows. Thank you for supporting us. And we'll see you next week. This Week in Retro was presented by Neil from RMC and John Shawler. It was produced by me, Duncan Stiles. The podcast version of the show is available through your favorite podcaster, including Apple Podcasts
1: and Spotify. And the video version is available on the This Week in Retro YouTube channel. Join our community subreddit at r slash This Week in Retro to suggest and vote on stories we cover on the show. If you watch This Week in Retro on YouTube, please give us a like and subscribe to help us reach new viewers.
0: If you'd like to support the show, please check out the links to our Patreon and Coffee pages in the show notes or in the YouTube description. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week for more up-to-date news for out-of-date tech.